today we are going to be talking about back to school clothes. And the first day of school, for those of you who have maybe experienced it recently, or for those of you who maybe it's been a few years, but you may remember that, you know, that first day of school is exciting. You know, there's a bit of an adrenaline rush because everything is so new, especially this year. Many of you guys haven't seen your friends, haven't seen people or teachers for such a long time. And so there's always just this excitement on that first day back to school. Um, we all like this idea of something new. And when you start, you know, a new, a new school year, there's probably this new drive to like, you know, make better marks, do better, maybe even make some new friends, uh, maybe even kind of like recreate yourself, maybe even be a new person in some ways, get on the teacher's good side for once. And I don't know about you, but whenever it was the first day of school, I always loved picking out my new school clothes. I love to go shopping with my mom and spend all of her money. You know, when you're young, you get to spend, I don't know how that, why that works. You get to spend all your parents' money when you're younger and then you're older and you actually don't have money. Um, you still have to spend your own money. Anyways, um, and so, you know, I just loved going to pick out, you know, my new school outfit and then... Of course, if you find out it's going to be rainy that day, like you kind of have to like rethink it all or if it's going to be cold that day. And it was always just like, I don't know, maybe I sound vain, but maybe it was, it's just this like big deal for some reason, like what you're going to wear, what you're going to look like on that first day back to school. Cause it was all about like first impressions and what people were going to think of you. I think I've grown out of that a little bit over the years. You know, I don't care as much about my outer appearance or maybe I don't care as much about what people think of me, but I'm not going to lie. I still love getting new clothes. I love just like that feeling when you get something new and you put it on and you just kind of feel like a new person. You have a, a new look, a new appearance in some way. So for many of us here, you're probably like, oh my gosh, I don't really care about clothes at all, Joanna. I don't, I don't relate to this at all, but you probably can relate to this idea of new. We all like this idea of getting something new, whether it be, you know, renovating a home or renovating a room, getting new furniture, making a space look new and fresh. Maybe it's getting new tools. Maybe it's getting a new toy or the smell of a new car. Maybe, like I said, it's like a new year, a new school year, or January 1st. It's like making New Year's resolutions. It's like this opportunity to start new things and to become somebody new. Maybe you're a very uh, outgoing social person and you like to make new friends or try new food, maybe even explore new places. There's just this really exciting, uh, fun feeling that comes from new things in our lives. And this concept isn't foreign to those of us who are Christians. It's uh, very much in the Bible. And so just a few verses that talk about this idea of new things. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so when we actually put our faith in Jesus, he starts to do something new in our lives. He gives us new desires. The Bible actually says that we get a new identity and things start to change. I remember that. Like when I really became a Christian, when I was 16, it's like all of a sudden I wanted to do new things and I didn't want to 
watch maybe some some of the things I used to be watching and I didn't want to swear I didn't want to drink anymore like it's like I started to become this new person another verse in the Bible says second Corinthians in uh, 5 verse 2 and 3 we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing for we will put on heavenly bodies we will not be spirits without bodies so this verse actually tells us that there is such thing as eternal life. And Paul was writing this to a culture where they didn't really believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe there was anything beyond this. And Paul is reassuring them, no, there is um, so much more beyond this. And your spirit will live on and you'll actually get a new heavenly body. And so if you don't like your current earthly body, I promise you it's going to get better. And if you do like your earthly body, I still promise you it's going to get better. You're going to get a heavenly body, and it's going to be so much better. And I'm going to read a few more verses from Revelation chapter 21. Uh, Pastor Bruce started a series on Revelation two weeks ago. This is kind of a, a break this week from that, and we'll go back to Revelation next week. But we're still going to read a few verses from that book. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And I'm so thankful that we don't just have hope for this present life, for the here and now, but we actually have hope for the life to come. And many of us are so familiar with uh, suffering and pain, whether it's in our experiences or our relationships or even in our, our own physical bodies. And we have this promise that there will come a time and a place and a day where there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And that's a lot for us to wrap our minds around. I don't know if we're even totally supposed to. Like, all we know is a world where there are these things, right? But I'm so thankful that God has promised us so much more than what we see and taste and experience right now. So today we're going to talk about this idea of new, what God wants to do. And I believe that he wants to do something new in our lives. And we're going to look at some verses from Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians 3 talks about living out this new life, this new identity that God has given us. But it tells us we don't have to wait for the afterlife to experience this. We can actually experience new life now here on this earth. And so the first few verses talk about some attitudes and habits that we are actually supposed to get rid of and discard when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Jesus. So whenever I get new stuff, let's use the example of clothes since we're talking about that today. If I bring in new clothes into my closet, there's always this feeling or sense of, okay, I need to get rid of some old stuff, right? And if you bring new things into your home all the time, you're always getting new stuff and you're never getting rid of old stuff that you don't use anymore or old stuff that's not good anymore. If you do that, all of a sudden you're going to be a hoarder and you're going to end up on a reality TV, 
reality TV show. And so it's so important that when we're taking in new things, taking on new things into our lives, that we also get rid of some old stuff. And so this section of scripture, Colossians 3 verses 1 to 9, you could call it what not to wear. The what not to wear in the Bible. So we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I find you know these verses very convicting, very challenging. Because if we're all honest, we probably see some little pieces and glimpses here of things that are still in our own lives. And I'm so thankful that God loves us just as we are. But he also loves us enough to not leave us just as we are. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, I believe that he gives us a new identity right away. But there's also some things that he kind of has to slowly say, get that out of your closet. You know, get that out of your wardrobe. Take that off. That's not who you are anymore. Let that go. And one of the biggest problems in our culture, really just all around the world, is that people call themselves Christians. You know, they they say, I identify with Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, but their lives showcase a lot of the things in this list. And it's confusing for people. Like, it, it's, it's troubling. Like, even people who aren't Christians say, that doesn't really make sense. They're calling themselves a Christian, but they're, they're doing these things and saying these things that, from what I know, doesn't look like God, doesn't look like Jesus. Like, what's going on? And it's confusing. And so how we actually live here on this earth matters. How we talk and how we act, even how we think and what we look at, it matters to God. And it matters. It affects us. It affects our relationship with God. And it also affects our relationship with other people and our witness to the world and, and how um, people actually view God. There's an incredible story in John chapter 11, where we see a man named Lazarus, and he is a friend of Jesus, and he gets sick, and he dies. And it's, you know, horrible. Like, people are crying, people are mourning, they're coming to Jesus saying, why weren't you here? Why didn't you do anything about this? And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and things get a little wild, because he shows up, and he just turns things upside down. He does the unexpected, and he actually speaks and calls this man back to life, and he comes back to life. And so in John chapter 11, it says this, Now when he had, Jesus had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And so I just want you to imagine for a minute, although it's not that super pleasant, but like someone has been dead. They're actually dead and buried in a tomb for four days. You know, people have been mourning. The, the bystanders are saying, what's happening? Like this Jesus guy is crazy. Like it's going to smell bad. It's going to be just a horrible visual, a horrible scene. Like just, just let the family mourn, you know, just like, don't, don't do this. Just move on. But Jesus calls him forth and he comes back to life and he walks out of this grave like still wrapped up in grave clothes like looks like a mummy and what's the very first thing that Jesus says to him he says loose him and let him go take off those old dirty stinky garments that represent his old life that represent his past that represent death and let him walk into the new life that I've called him to walk in. And I believe there's some of us, including myself, you know, who are Christians in this place, and we're spiritually alive, but we're still walking around in some of those old, dirty, stinky grave clothes. And today, Jesus wants to call us forth, say, let those things go. Loose, loose him, loose her, and let those things go. Leave those things behind. And it can't happen in our own strength. You know, it can't happen in our own ability. We need the power of Jesus here. We need the, the spirit of God to do that in our lives. And so sometimes the world looks at us and they, you know, they should see Jesus. And yet they see slander. They see gossip. They see us being rude or mean or angry and all these things. And instead of wanting what they have, they're actually repulsed by it. They're like, oh, that stinks. I don't want anything to do with that. And I don't want that to be my story. And I'm sure that none of us want that to be our story. If we're honest, we've probably all been a hypocrite at some point in our lives. We've said one thing and then done another. We've you know, called ourselves a Christian and then done something that's not Christ-like at all. And so you know, we're all in this together. This is an opportunity for us to do some spiritual inventory of our lives. And I would just like to pray for a moment before we move on. I promise it'll get more positive, but let's just uh, pause for a moment. God, I pray that if there are these things in our lives, these things that represent our, the old life, our old nature, God, I pray that you would loose us today. God, I pray that you would loose us. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move on our lives and that we would let these things go, and that we would step into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. So Colossians 3 does get better. <laughs> More uh, positive, you could say. Not that that's not positive. The fact that we get to let those things go is, is amazing. But Colossians 3, verses 10 to 14, it says, Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Paul is basically covering like all of his bases here. He's talking about different nationalities, different um, social standings, whatever your education level is. 
we are all equal and Christ came for us all. Since Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, so he's writing to Christians, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And it goes on to say more, too, about thankfulness, about how husbands and wives should treat each other and employee relationships and all of that. When it comes to fashion, a lot of us like to use our clothes, uh, use our different styles to reflect our personalities, to reflect uh, who we are. Maybe uh, even use your clothing to reflect what you believe in or something that you stand for, your background. We can even use clothes to promote um, a business or, or promote a product. Spiritually, our outer appearance, our outer apparel should reflect who we are on the inside. And so we should reflect Jesus. And so in this list, this is a list of things that actually um, reflect Jesus. So let's just go into a few definitions, just kind of break down some of these things real quick. Mercy is, is also back there, but the actual definition of mercy is a sympathizing spirit with those who are in distress. So when you see someone who's hurting, who's broken, who's just having a hard time at life, they are down in the dumps, it, it means that you don't just walk by on the other side of the street and just, you know, ignore them. It means that you actually feel something for them. You feel compassion for them. You want to help them. Another definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in one, one's power to punish or harm. So it's like if someone's down, you have that choice of do, do they stay down or do I help them? You know, do I get ahead because they're down or do I actually help them out of their situation? Kindness is another one. It's the quality of being friendly, generous, considerate. So it's actually putting action to those feelings of compassion and mercy. And I think we all love and appreciate when people are kind to us, right? Like even if it's just, even if it's just little tiny good deeds that people do for us. Like if you're putting your groceries in your car and someone says, oh, here, let me take that grocery cart back for you. It's just like, oh, like, that's just so kind of you. Or, you know, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, we were at the hospital in New Brunswick, actually, and uh, Amari was having a hard time. She was sick, and someone, you know, saw us and, and gave us their number so we could jump ahead, you know, five or six people and get in to see the doctor. And it's just like, oh, it just, like, made me want to cry. And so just these little small acts of kindness can actually go so far. Uh, number three, humility which means freedom from pride or arrogance. So when you actually do something kind or nice, you don't go around and boast about it, post it all over social media to make yourself look good. It kind of like defeats the purpose. Humility means that we all continually reflect on what God has done for us. 
and recognize, wow, we are all saved by grace. If God can save me, he can save anyone. And it changes how we look at other people. It means looking upon others as better than ourselves, which is hard to do. We're all just caught up in our own little world, you know? Like we're caught up in our own life and our own family. We just kind of have tunnel vision most of the time, but it actually means looking upon others as better than yourself. Humility means realizing that we don't know it all, and it's it's not being afraid to ask for help, to ask for guidance, to seek counsel, and to seek wisdom. Gentleness means free from harshness, sternness, or violence. And as we know today, all throughout history, there's just always been so much so much abuse that can happen, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, um, with our with our words, verbally. And abuse is just so opposite to Jesus, so opposite to the gospel. James chapter 3 talks about how dangerous our tongue can be. And I don't have these verses on the screen, but I just want to read them because I think with our words, what we say, the tone that we use, that's sometimes how we are actually abusive and oftentimes we're we're um not the person we want to be around the people that we love for for some reason i don't know why it is as humans the people that we love we often treat the worst verses five and six in james three says likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark the tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell like we've just got to be so careful with our words and how we speak to people, how we speak to the ones that we love, even the tone of voice that we use. We can just be so quick. I mean, we we all can be that, but but women especially, like we can just be so quick to say things and just, I don't know, get an edge on, on somebody or, or our husband or whatever. And we've just got to be so careful with how we speak. Are we all feeling convicted today? It was just me. Okay. Number five, patience or long-suffering. This means bearing pains or trials calmly and without complaint, being steadfast despite opposition that you're facing. It means not being easily provoked. So even if someone's being harsh or rude with you or speaking bad about you, it's being not easily provoked, not trying to snap back and pay back evil for evil. Number six, make allowance for faults, or some translations say bear with one another. And this just means like that we need to allow space for people to mess up. We need to allow space, allow room for people to make mistakes because we all do it. And that's what we would want people to do with us. I once heard this quote. It says, we judge others by their actions, but ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And if we started to maybe not be so quick to judge others by what we see, you know, someone can look at you the wrong way, and you're like, oh, they're being so rude to me. It's like, well, no, maybe that wasn't their intention. Maybe they're having a really bad day. You know, maybe their kids are at home sick. 
You know, maybe they got in a car accident on the way to work. And so we need to not be so quick to judge others by their actions, but just take a step back and say, maybe that's not what they intended to do or say. Number seven, we're almost done. <clears throat> Forgive others as the Lord forgave you. Now, this one is especially hard. Uh, this one, I've, I think, can only really be done when we seek the strength of God who forgave us. Like this one is just a really difficult one to do in our own strength. And the list concludes with verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So basically all of these things, don't just do them for show. Don't just do them so that you look good or so that you can get something out of it or with self-interest in mind, but do it genuinely out of love. And so I can look at, you know, this list of things, and maybe you can too, and it can feel a little bit overwhelming. Like, it actually causes me to just kind of like humble myself and say, oh, wow, like, I'm not quite where I should be or want to be yet. And we can leave here today with this new sense of enthusiasm, this new sense, you know, this new drive, like, okay, I'm going to stop doing those things. I'm going to cut those things out of my life, and I'm going to work on these things and try to do these things. And that's not bad. That, that's great if you leave here with that. But it's probably only going to last for a few hours, maybe a few days, maybe if you're, you know, really driven those changes could last for a few weeks. But then eventually you're going to forget about the message. You're going to forget about the Bible verses. And you're just kind of going to slip back into your own ways. You'll probably slip up, mess up, and then just think, you know, why did I bother trying? And so the only way there can be real meaningful, lasting change in our lives when it comes to all of these things, like our outward apparel, our appearance to the world, how we act, how we talk, how we treat people, is if we encounter someone, experience someone who is these things, someone who has overcome sin, who has overcome all of these things, what not to wear list, and somebody who actually embodies, like who actually is the perfect definition of mercy and kindness and gentleness and love and humility. It's really hard to reflect someone or something if you have never experienced it yourself. And so I'd like to end today by talking about a story from Luke chapter 19. And this story is about a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, he wasn't a good man. He uh, was kind of one of those guys who made sure that the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. Is that a word? Poorer? And so we're going to read 10 verses from Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. 
Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. So similar to Matthew, the tax collector, we have Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. And he was a Jew, but he was working for the Romans. He was working for the enemy. So he would have been considered a traitor. People did not like tax collectors. They would often cheat people on their taxes, pocket a little bit extra, make sure that they got more wealthy and the poor got more poor. And Zacchaeus, you know, to make it worse, he was the chief tax collector. So he probably had people reporting back to him, giving, you know, bringing their their findings and their taxes to him. And he, you know, controlled this money and so even probably got richer because pocketed a little bit more of that. So Jesus shows up to town on this day, on this occasion, and Zacchaeus is intrigued. He probably kept tabs on everything that was happening around town with all the different people reporting back to him. Like he probably knew what was going on everywhere. And so this is kind of some unexpected excitement when this man named Jesus, who everybody's been talking about for some time, shows up to town. I kind of think of the Raptors championship parade when people would just like come out of everywhere. Like people would be driving into Toronto, flying into Toronto, just so that they could get a glimpse of these basketball players. When far off in a distance, you know, they kind of went by on that float. Anybody here watch it on TV? Nobody was probably there, but it was exciting. You even wanted to watch it on TV because you just kind of wanted to feel like, I remember that. I saw that. You know, I experienced that. And so Zacchaeus runs ahead because there's this excitement of, I need to see this guy. I need to be able to say, to say that, you know, I was there. I got a glimpse of him. And so he runs ahead and he climbs up into a tree so that he can see Jesus when he walks by. And the Bible doesn't really tell us what his intentions are. You know, did he want to, like, throw apples at Jesus? Like, did he want to, like, shout something? Like, did he just want to see him from a distance? We're not really sure. Maybe he even believed that Jesus was, in fact, God. And it says, as Jesus approaches, what does Jesus do? He sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, and he doesn't call him out and say, Zacchaeus, you know, you cheated this person, this person, this person. Like he doesn't call out that big what not to wear list and say, you've done this and this and this and this. Like you need to get rid of those things out of your life. You need to stop doing all those things. And Jesus doesn't say you should be showing gentleness and kindness. Like Jesus doesn't go into like this big sermon with him or like call him out for all of his faults and his failures. The Bible says that he calls Zacchaeus by name and he invites himself over to his home. And so everybody is just like shocked. You know, if there was ever a time to call somebody out for all of the, there's so many people probably in this crowd who Zacchaeus has cheated of, like, just call him out already. Like, just make things right. 
And it says that Zacchaeus quickly climbs down and brings Jesus to his home. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. People couldn't believe that Jesus, this perfect, holy man who was a teacher and prophet and doing miracles, he actually claimed to be God, and now he's befriending the, this, you know, the worst of the worst, like this notorious sinner. Zacchaeus wouldn't have even been allowed to <clears throat> worship at the synagogue and gather with other believers. Like he was considered unclean, and now Jesus is going to his house. I'm so thankful that our actions, our words, our deeds, no matter how many you know bad things we've done, no matter what our past is, that it's not a barrier for God. God is so much better, so much stronger, just because your life doesn't look like this perfect list that we are talking about today, or maybe it looks like, you know, the what not to wear list. Jesus is calling us out today. He is calling you out today. And he's not saying, quick, get your stuff in order. You know, like get rid of all these things and start doing all these things. He's saying, quick, let me come to your house today. Let me come into your life today. Let me spend time with you today. Because when that happens, things are going to change. When that happens, the outer appearance is going to work itself out. The outer appearance is naturally going to change. Jesus is saying, allow me some space in your life. Allow me to come in to your life. The Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus and Zach had this big, deep conversation. It doesn't tell us that Jesus unpacked scripture, but maybe he did. It doesn't tell us that Jesus gave him a lecture, but maybe he did. They probably sat around and talked and laughed. They probably had food together and had friends over. And it says that while the people were grumbling and displeased that this was happening, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. It says that he stood before the Lord and it changed him. He stood before the Lord and it changed him. Just by being called by Jesus, just by being welcomed and loved by Jesus, he was changed. Despite his lifestyle and his past decisions and all the things that he had done, He was now welcomed, and he felt like he belonged. He was loved by someone who was perfect and holy, and it changed him. Changed him from the inside out. You know, that song we sang today, we'll sing it again in a few minutes, from the inside out. God wants to do an inside job in our lives, and that will then naturally change the outside. Zach spent time with, he experienced the one who embodies gentleness and forgiveness, the one who is love, the one who is humility. He, he, he spent time with him. He experienced it. And so it created this internal change. And then we read in, the, in this verse that it then overflowed and created external change in his life as well. 
Zach did a 180 turn. He became a new person, a new man that day. Back to the verse that we read at the very beginning, 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Anyone who belongs, who is welcomed, who is called, who experiences Jesus, then becomes a new person. And then Jesus goes on to confirm, you know, that something really has happened internally. He says, salvation has come to this home today, and now it's going to be shown outwardly. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so if you feel lost today, if you feel lost when it comes to, you know, this list of things that you're not supposed to do and this list of things that you are supposed to do and the way you are supposed to look and talk and act, Jesus came for you. That's exactly why Jesus came. Because none of us can measure up. There's no way. You know, it's the same gospel message every, every time, every week. Like, we can't do it on our own. We can't measure up to God's standard. We can't be good enough on our own. We need Jesus. It's only the Spirit of God. It's only the presence of Jesus that can change us internally, and that will then overflow externally. We'll end with uh, this verse, which we already read. Colossians 3 verse 10 tells us that we are to put on our new nature and be renewed as we learn to know our creator and become like him. This tells me that there is something ongoing about our relationship with God. It's not just a one-time thing where he just goes, bam, you're now a new person, go out, good luck, have fun. Like, we are to continually be renewed as we continually learn to know our creator, learn to know Jesus, experience him over and over and over again. The only way you get to know someone and learn about someone is by spending time with them. And so just like clothes are, they need to continually be washed. We need to continually be renewed, continually go back to the one who is love, who is humility, who is gentleness, who is kindness, if we are ever going to reflect that to the world. So today we've done some, I guess you could say self-reflecting about our external lives, but we also need to do some reflecting on our internal state, you know, our internal relationship with God. Does it actually exist? You know, do we actually spend time with the one who is love, who is mercy, who is compassion, who is kindness? Do we actually spend time with him through reading the Bible and through prayer and through worship? Because it's going to be a lot of hard, strenuous work to try and portray all these things, this list of things to the world, if we're not actually spending time with the one who is the perfect definition of these things. I could dress up, you know, one of these mannequins to look like a police officer. I could dress them up to look like a nurse. I could dress them up to look like an electrician. But if all of a sudden, you know, we're a firefighter, and all of a sudden there's a fire in this place, 
or someone falls down and has a heart attack, or the lights, you know, all go out, like, these mannequins are going to be useless. <laughs> and, you know, I could dress myself up to look like a lot of those things, too, and I would be pretty useless, because I don't have the knowledge or the skills or the ability to fix those problems. We can dress ourselves up physically in a lot of ways. We can dress ourselves up spiritually in a lot of ways. We can talk the talk and actually look the part and not actually have a relationship with God that is ongoing and being renewed and cleansed and washed day by day as we spend time with Jesus. And if we do that, that's where we end up with a costume. That's where we end up um, being hypocrites. And I know none of us want to be hypocritical. None of us want to be superficial, but it's bound to happen unless we're spending time with the Lord. We can always dress ourselves up to look like something that we're not. And so today I'd like to pray for those of us who relate to part of this message Maybe you know that externally you need to make some changes in your life. Uh, you know, you need to get rid of some things or maybe you need to start doing some more things. Or maybe you relate more to the part of like internally, like internally there needs to be some change in my life. And maybe if you're like me, you just need a whole wardrobe change. Like you just need it all to change. God can do that for you. God, I can't, this message can't. I mean, I read the Bible, so that part can, but we need the power and the presence of Jesus to come and touch every single one of our lives. And so let's just close our eyes for a few moments and maybe I'll get the band to come back up. And if you're here and you need some new school clothes, you need some new work clothes. You need some new clothes for when you're at home with your family. You just need like a whole wardrobe change. Let's just pray and ask for God to do in our lives what we can't do by ourselves, what we can't do in our own strength, what we can't do in our own ability. God, we just pray for those here who identify with that. God, we know we're not living as we should. We know that we're not being a good representation to the world of who you are, of your love. We know we're not being a good representation of what it means to be a Christian to our kids, to our spouse, to our family members, the people who we should be showing love to the most. God, we just pray for help. God, we just pray for strength. We pray that you would change us from the inside out. Forgive us for not representing you well in this world. We pray, God, that you would give us supernatural strength and power to let those old garments go. God, we pray that you will come and loose us in Jesus' name, that you would actually begin to change desires right now in this moment because of your presence. Because when you show up, things have to change. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work in our lives? Would you change us from the inside out? And for those of us who know that maybe we have the outward appearance down packed, but internally, we're not actually spending time with you. You know, we show up to church and call ourselves a Christian, but our prayer life is non-existent. 
hardly ever read the Bible. God, again, would you create new desires in us, new passion, new fire. God, would you fan that flame and just cause us to come alive again internally, spiritually, in our relationship with you. God, would we leave this place wanting to spend more time with you, wanting to pray more, wanting to read our Bibles more, wanting to get lost in worship and lost in your presence. We need you, God. We need you, Jesus. And if there's anyone here today just don't want to move on without without, passing this moment by, without giving an opportunity for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with God, and you would say, Joanna, I would love to start that today. I'm not totally sure what all that looks like, but I know that I want to encounter Jesus like Zacchaeus, where it actually changes me from the inside out. If that's you today with every eye just closed for one more moment, I'd like you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. If that's you, I see that hand. If there's anybody else. All right, that's awesome. You can put your hand down. God, we just thank you for those who want to start a relationship with you today. God, would you make yourself known to us. Make yourself known to these individuals that despite their past, despite what they've done, what they've said in the past, and what their old life is, God, would you come and give them a new identity right now as they discover that they belong to you, that they are loved by you, that they are part of your family today. In Jesus' name.